Welcome to the Love Positivism podcast. I'm Shireen Oberg and I'm a yoga teacher and author devoted to the path of healing and heart-based living. And I want to help you to step into what you truly are and to your highest potential. On this podcast, I share with you tools and insights to help you move ever forward on your spiritual and healing path. With guests from all over the world, from different wisdom traditions, I wish to create a web of loving energy that permeates the whole world to create more love and peace. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube for more guidance and love. Hi to all you loving beings. Thank you so much for being here and I'm super excited today to share my beautiful and magical guest, Apila Colorado. It was so lovely talking to her and to hear her story as she's sharing her path and her new book, Woman Between the Worlds. And yeah, this this uh, beautiful conversation, which is also available as a video, Uh, conversation on YouTube is so powerful as she's working with everything that has to do with indigenous and ancestral healing. She's a PhD of Oneida Gaul Ancestry, who founded the Worldwide Indigenous Science Network. She's the author of Woman Between Worlds, where she shares her knowledge and experience of indigenous wisdom and promotes an understanding between the indigenous and modern world perspectives. It's a journey back in time to preserve a connection to the ancestors, open a door to indigenous wisdom and healing and reclaim a creation story for the future. Inspirational World Authority on Indigenous Wisdom, Apila Colorado works internationally to preserve the wisdom of indigenous elders from all over the world. In this powerful and inspirational book that she's shared and that she's written over the past years, she weaves together an intricate and beautiful insight into the way that indigenous people see the world. And she shares her stories and experiences as a Native American woman growing up in rural Wisconsin and who stepped out of her tribe to become one of the first Native American women to study at Harvard. Her passions for the indigenous way of life leads her to travel the world, meeting indigenous elders and setting up projects to promote understanding between the indigenous and Western worldview. Her powerful book contains a unique and magical glimpse into the minds of those elders and will help to inspire us all to reconnect more closely with our ancestral wisdom. Yeah, just this introduction might give you insight to this really powerful and profound uh, conversation that I had with her and yes it's so beautiful and in the beginning she will do a prayer and chant which is so healing and we will tap into the topics of indigenous wisdom and healing how to work with mother earth our ancestral connections and her book woman between worlds which is available to order on all platforms now and I also want to remind you that our upcoming Lionsgate and New Moon activation that me and Sandra Ray will be hosting is still open for sign-ups and registration 
and right now it's still the time where you can get your early bird prize and in this session that will tune into the Lionsgate portal which opens up on 8th of August which is a beautiful and potent time for upgrades of consciousness healing and just downloads we will discover together the meaning and importance of this portal we will also connect to the new moon this event will be on the 6th of uh, August so you will have time to prepare for the portal and also you will uh, be able to um, take part if you can take part live you can uh, get the replay and prepare and maybe also do the meditations on the day and we will learn about the new moon in Leo we receive an activation to the light we will connect with the Leo energy and the goddess Sekhmet the warrior of sacred feminine protection connected to the lioness so it's a beautiful just circle that we will host uh, Sandra who's doing this together with me is an author healer and spiritual teacher so she's also been on the podcast this month and lastly I also want to give so much love to my lovely show partners Ace of Air a newly launched beauty and wellness brand committed to products that put people and planet above all their line of clean vegan and cruelty free skincare and supplements have been synergistically formulated at the intersection of herbalist wisdom and modern science focusing on rituals that work from the inside out inspired by mother nature's ability to create abundance without waste Ace of Air is the first and only beauty and wellness brand designed to be entirely circular and fully zero waste. You can explore more at aceofair.com and on Instagram. You can find them as well. And they're so beautiful in the way they work and design to be completely aligned with Mother Earth and to be fully circular. So check them out. And I hope you enjoy this week's beautiful and magical conversation with Apila Colorado. Hi Apila, welcome to the podcast and this conversation today. Hi Shireen. So glad to be here with you and I would like to start to ask you if you have a certain meditation or any type of practice that you do on a daily basis that is important to you. Of course, mm-hmm. and my my practice is that we, I met my family, we smudge, and here's some cedar that I'm going to ignite. I'll say a prayer, mm-hmm. and then a brief chant, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving that we're together. Sungai Dizan Nyawe Nyawe Onujagi Nyawe. I give thanks for this virtual fire. I give thanks for this time with Shireen and the circle, the community unseen of ancestors and of those of you listening to this communication here 
around this fire, we become one. That fire ignited so long ago from Mother Earth herself, continuing in the beat of our heart, in the love that we feel, the love we receive from Mother Earth, from all the creations. Now in this communication, I look forward to the moment of the unveiling, the meaning and the power of peace of our convergence. As we share tonight in this time between worlds, as Mother Earth makes her adjustment, may the words we choose, the steps we take, and the life we live come into alignment with the changes of you, Onajage Mother Earth, so that life may renew. Amen. Yahweh go, 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 Yahweh we go ya, 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 we Oh, wow. Okay, so that really <clears throat> directly I started hearing <laughs> these vibrations here on the left ear. Thank you so much for that. Ah, that was beautiful. And thank you for sharing. And I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners here today. Uh, you have this incredible background and story that is so unique and beautiful so yeah well my name is apila colorado apila means she helps i <laughs> say well i hope so <laughs> um, i am oneida oneataaga which is people of the long living rock or stone and i'm also nearly half french um, and I remember my Gaul indigenous side in France. And as it happens in my life journey, traced in this book that I finished after eight long years, um, my journey reclaiming my indigenous identity and spirituality, especially on the white side of my heritage, was uh, a big challenge. And when I was young, being half 
American Indian and half white was a really marginal, dangerous place to live. I didn't fit in either world completely. And this, this curse actually turned out to be a really big blessing once I was able to embrace embrace the darkness, the shadow between the two. Mm, wow, that's beautiful. And what is, so do you, would you like to speak? So you've written this beautiful book that is uh, about, it's women, women between the worlds. Mm-hmm. What, does, what does that, I, I understand that exactly because I have the same kind of background when it comes to being in one place, but having roots in a different place. What does that mean for you? Well, woman between the worlds, for Native American belief, there's a cycle of time where humanity is going through changes and developing and growing. And then there's a cycle of time where Mother Earth makes her adjustment and changes. And these can be huge cycles of time, 26,000 years, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this moment, we're, Mother Earth is going through her changes. So between the worlds refers to that change. And you can see the effects of that change everywhere in the global crises we face and the pandemic we're still in. So that's one level that woman between the worlds manifests in this book. But the other part of the woman between the worlds story opens um, in the book this way. When I was about three or four, I couldn't have been more because my grandfather was able to lift me and carry me at that time. So we arrived at his, at my grandparents' house and it was um, late in the evening for me as a little child. And surprisingly, I thought my parents would put me right to bed, but no, my grandfather instead took me out of their arms and walked over to the window and opened these blinds. And he was trying to get me to look at something. And I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get what he wanted me to look at. So he took me out, outside, down the stairs of the old white farmhouse in northern Wisconsin. And then we faced the, um, the woods and the nighttime sky. And it was then I realized he wanted me to look at the moon. And while we were looking at the moon, a full lunar eclipse was manifesting. And as as the shadow of the earth crossed the light of the moon, the whole forest became still and the stars just glittered. In that moment, something came over me and I fell into a deep sleep in his arms. That is also the moment between the worlds, right? Mm. The shadow of the earth going over the face of the moon, our grandmother. So those, those are two ways, woman mm-hmm. between the world. Oh, that's beautiful. And the work you've been doing for so many years is so important. Maybe you want to share, like, how, how was your path into 
what you're doing and what you've been doing up until now? How did beside this, like how did the connection start and where did everything come from? It was the love between my grandfather and myself that put me on this path. And before he died, he came to um, my house. My grandmother drove him. And I remember coming back from school and I went to a one room schoolhouse that had 23 students across all eight grades and one teacher, right? A little schoolhouse in the woods on Turtle Lake. And we had a, a man with a station wagon drove uh, one, two, three, four of us children home at the end of the school day. And it was early winter and a, and a snowstorm had started and it already accumulated several inches. So I was surprised when the school bus drove up and there was my grandmother's car and there was about that much snow on the top of the car. And I, it wasn't like her to be coming in the middle of the week like that and unannounced, but there they were. By this time, my grandfather was already starting. He was dying, actually. Um, he had been in a terrible car accident about a, uh, two years earlier. The result of that was that his mind went back and forth between times. Sometimes he would be here and then sometimes in other places. Uh, one of the things that, that no one, that my mother didn't know is that he spoke fluent French and why not? He was French Indian, right? But until, until he had the head injury, he wouldn't speak in French because in the United States, there was this terrible, terrible policy that affected all immigrants and really hit hard with American Indians. And it was called Americanization. And that's why even today, when you meet people from the US, very rarely do we speak another language. You know, we seem like mm. idiots, but that's a direct outcome of that policy of Americanization. So for example, when I was in high school and university, I studied like Latin and German and, but all, what we learned to do is to read it and to write it, but not to speak, right? So that's part of the Americanization stuff that we all, we all grew up with. Just give me a minute here. Mm. So with my, with my grandfather being ill and um, my grandmother wanted to visit with my mother because she was really tired in her role as caregiver. So she and my mother were sitting in the kitchen having coffee, talking. And my mother told me <clears throat> to go and sit with my grandfather, which I actually didn't want to do. I was really mad at him. I was mad at him for being sick. And before that, I was mad at him because he took his love away when he started drinking again. I'll have a drink of water at that note. Anyway, it's <clears throat> he had started drinking alcohol and that that took him from me. And he was the one person I was really emotionally connected to in my hard drinking, huge extended family that I grew up in. So I was sitting with him and I was seething mad that I had to sit there and watch this old man. He was on a, he was on a stuffed chair and he had his cane in front of him. And he looked at me and he said, Impila, <clears throat> when you grow up, you're going to go to university. And, he, and then he said, you know, you're a pretty girl, 
and you're a precocious child and that's gonna get you in trouble with boys when you grow up. He said, so now listen to me. And I'm like, ooh, what's this crazy old man gonna say now? He said, and then he said the words that changed my life and opened my life up and gave me a path. He said, remember the pipe. And he said it three times. And in the, and in the background, I could hear my grandmother saying to my mother that he had been asking her for his pipe. And she was, she was not native, right? And she said, I don't know. I don't, I brought every pipe I could find. And the last one he threw at me. And of course, what he wanted was his ceremonial pipe, right? So that, those two messages to go to university and remember the pipe, that's what gave me the path. And good thing too, because once I was a young woman, and between the worlds, when you start dating and so forth, that's when issues of race really come out. And I was really vulnerable. I didn't know who I was, basically. Once my grandfather had passed away, there was, there was nobody. My mother and father's generation, their main effort was to assimilate. And you probably have seen that yourself in Sweden and with your own family. So they wanted to assimilate. And they worked really hard and were successful at it too, um, which is one of the reasons I could get to go to university. Um, and I was in, there were about 10 or 12 American Indians before me that ever got to go for a PhD, but, and one of them helped mentor me so that, so that I could figure out how to get into a university and kind of what to do. So that's what started me on this path the love of my grandfather. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's beautiful. And it's really, um, there's so much history that we are not aware of. And then the world, something that I've been thinking about is how it's, it's been like a pattern in the world that the, the, if we look at the history of the indigenous people of different lands that are so connected to the nature, to, to everything that is there, to ceremony, to uh, like being in communion with everything and having also been given so much wisdom, if we look at it, all indigenous cultures that are really so rooted in, in these places in North and South America, in in, in Europe, in, in Asia, in like all of these, and how much from these, these uh, civiliza civilizations came so much wisdom to that has been the foundation of where we have been going as a, as a, a species or a humankind. And, but for some reason, because it's so powerful because I was reflecting on this yesterday. Why? Like, why has uh, so from also my Kurdish heritage and these these magical lands that is around the mountains of, of Kurdistan? Mm -hmm. Like, why is it so? It's like um, these opposite forces, kind of, because it it's um, 
you have this softness of being an indigenous culture, of being one with the land, of knowing how to grow things, knowing, and then you have this counterpart, which is more the wounded masculine that has wanted to uh, not live in that uh, compassionate and 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 uh, we see what's happened also with in in women's history from way back from uh, priestesses and and being in that feminine so that's also i see that as a major shift that needs to happen for everyone to heal but i'm still wondering why so here in sweden we also have indigenous tribes uh, they're up in the northern parts of sweden and we barely know anything we barely learn anything from these and they're shamans and there's uh, uh, apparently still going on some um uh, that they are not being treated well and they're the in so why i'm just wondering why has these these people that have been in one place like my people your people it's mm -hmm. and and then you have this spread of uh, what i would say patriarchal colonization everywhere and that has yes. almost suppressed that those shifts have you have in your research and studies and when you're communing with spirit like why is this happening has this happened <laughs> <laughs> It's a, you know, I had one of our chiefs said, speaking of colonists and missionization and so forth, he said, what they do is simple, how they do it is complicated. So what amounts to expropriation, right? Stealing, <laughs> that's it. But how they do it really is complicated. And now it's institutionalized a lot and politics and warfare. We had um, most people listening to this call probably wouldn't realize it, but <clears throat> I'm the I founded a nonprofit about 31 years ago called the Worldwide Indigenous Science Network. And the reason I founded it was to help support the traditional practitioners. Sometimes they're healers, sometimes they're teachers, some are women, some are men, right? But I noticed that they're there they are people that serve others and are having such a hard time just to survive because when communities are oppressed and held down there's there are not many resources and these people that, who tirelessly serve their own people were really struggling not always but many times so i wanted because of my love for my grandfather I wanted to help those people. And, um, you know, I've been asked, like, who was my role model? And my role model was this, when I was already in my 20s, I had the chance to go to Sundance in uh, South Dakota. And we drove up to a little house. It was a shack that was maybe with a slanty roof. And the, the one wall of the of the shack was only maybe six feet high. So just a little tiny house. And this old grandma was out there, probably my age now, long white braid and long dress on, calico dress. And she was washing some clothes in a wash tub at the back of her house by hand. And when we pulled up, my friend Dorothy and I, 
um, and got out of the car, she turned and she just looked at me and there was just a soft smile on her face. And even though I was headed for a PhD and all that, I said, that's what I want to be when I grow up, right? And that's what I still want to be <laughs> when I grow up. <laughs> so um, why it happened? Yeah, you know, when I was young too, I used to write poetry um, that it got published in Native American newspapers and so forth. And um, I was really, really angry. I was angry about the loss of culture, about the loss of identity, about the treatment of women. Just and I, you know, I, my outlet was the American Indian Movement, and I'm really happy and proud of that. I was at the AIM headquarters. It was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for a while, and I'm I was there during the days of the takeover at Wounded Knee and. And I really, that really helped me clear my mind about what happened historically to American Indian people and other indigenous people around the world. And as one, as Philip Deere once said, the late Philip Deere, when you know the enemy, you cannot lose in a thousand battles, right? Although you can take a really big clobbering, I can tell you that for sure. You may not, you may, you may not lose, but you can get clobbered. And one of the one of the things that was I was saying may be hard for people to believe is that, for example, in Kenya, in a two in an eighteen month period of time, of something like two hundred elders were murdered, and in the elders I work, we just recently helped a traditional healer in Mindanao in the Philippines. Uh, we helped we had to help her get out of her own country because indigenous people, like the tribal people in that area are subject to um, abuse from the religious right Christian, the religious right Muslim and government forces. And this woman was a healer and they were after her and it was so dangerous. She had to move from place to place every night and sleep someplace different. And I'm happy to say a group of women banded together and we got her out, right? We were not so fortunate with the Basa who was an Oromo elder from the highlands, the Gamo highlands of Ethiopia, who was abducted, tortured, and murdered by the Tigray government in Ethiopia. Now, of course, you see the government of Ethiopia attacking the Tigray, but uh, and I myself was arrested and interrogated in Ethiopia, simply trying to help elders. And the same thing happened to me in Siberia about three years ago, I was with three other women. We were there for a snow leopard ceremony. And we were again at like 10 o'clock at night, bam, 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 on the door of this log house way out in the mountains. And it was Russian police coming. And they hauled us into this prison uh, police station, but was just like Gothic, you know, black tar paper on the door and really old and everything. And they interrogated us from 10 at night till four in the morning. And then they made us sign a confession that we were trying to agitate the in Buryat indigenous people against the Russian government. And we were only there to pray, to meet with elders. But that's the kind of, that's the kind of situation indigenous people that we find ourselves in. Then here's why, because 5% of the population globally is indigenous. 
but guess what? We maintain 80% of the biodiversity and something like 30% of the energy resources on our lands. So this identity, this spiritual power that comes from the earth is under assault. And my reason for writing this book, Woman Between the Worlds, and also establishing um, a master's and soon to be doctoral program in indigenous science and peace studies at the United Nations University in Costa Rica. I'm doing that because my belief is that when we find our identity, when we reclaim our indigenosity, that we cannot lose in a thousand battles and we cannot be tricked into destroying the basis of our survival, which is mother earth and our, our bond to the earth, right? So what I learned on my Oneida side, a lot of my indigenous ways as an Oneataaga woman were lost by the time I was young. And they weren't just like lost because people said, oh, never worked anyway, let's forget it. You know, They were lost because of military action against indigenous people in North America and lost because of relocation and lost because of federal policy being confined on smaller and smaller parts of land that belonged to us because they were stealing more and more and more, right? So, and then being forced to go to uh, schools of assimilation from the close of the Civil War on. Um, American Indian kids were uprooted from their families. My children's father was like five years old, San Carlos Apache, and they came and just grabbed him he didn't see his family again for three years, little tiny child. And that's how these schools were, just rampant with abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. So why did we forget who we are? Those are like examples. And I'm, I'm not saying this to make people from European culture or any other culture feel bad because now I'm going to say about my French side, right? So, um, one of the things I noticed going into ceremonies as an adult, because so much had been lost, by the time I was a young woman and in the American Indian movement, we had decided we wanted our culture back. We wanted our ceremonies back. We had churches and taverns, and it never filled that emptiness. And we determined we're going to get it back. So we went out around. We went to other tribes that were more intact, went to our own people back on the East Coast. And who had ended up doing this were my friend Dorothy, myself, a handful of women and kids, and one old man, right? And then we found out that the ceremonies that we were having, like spirit lights come in and twinkle, the floor goes up and down, and if it's in a house, the ceiling is going like this, then nobody's doing it. It's just happening that way. And we thought, well, why else do you do it? You want the direct connection, right? And then we found out that although we were just relearning it and didn't, were self-conscious, right? That people from these, from many intact tribes heard the word and were coming to be a part of our ceremonies. So what we learned is that power that you've lost, you can get it back. So once I learned that, I looked at my French side and I said, I want my power back and I want it back now. So I set about doing that. And what I had learned about reclaiming our Oneida heritage 
that helped me come to my French heritage and be able to see, to see what was real. I had a standard to see what was real and what wasn't so real. Because the process of remembering back, it's there's a lot of trial and error. You don't just come to the source immediately, although if you're lucky, maybe. And now, as I was, I was saying before we started this call, I was sharing with you that I go to the south of France every year and I go to ceremonies there in the painted caves and, I'm, and also the home of the Occitan people that after amazingly, after a couple thousand years of oppression by, the, by Genghis Khan, by, uh, by Rome, then by the Inquisition and Catholic Church for another 700 years, that people still are speaking their language there. Then know that they're Occitan, right? So, and I have a part of my genealogy goes to a little community right near there. So the power we've lost, we can get it back. And that's why I wrote the book. That's why I established the university program. And that's why I'm talking right now. Mm. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's so powerful. And the work that you've done for all indigenous people it's like a now a restoration a healing like i think all of us can work with this from the inside and of course externally to be very conscious and aware and i think that now is is a time when i think a lot of fear can be released so that we can move forward and to be um of course, the situation in certain countries, like you said, I've also seen like the the, the wise women in different cultures mm -hmm. are still being being hunted down because it's 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 still like it's so much light in these and so much um, wisdom and power. So this these opposite forces are still working against it but at the same time now at least the awareness the consciousness the remembering is coming back and that's happening in in this i i see that more and more on social media and people speaking up and no longer just being because it's a it's a wound that has made us silent for a long time and there's a lot of things mm. that, like shame like yeah everything that's been happening it's been uh, so important for healers like you and 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 the work that we all are doing uh, right now is so important because we're healing from within and i really think it's interesting with the, when you look at the indigenous tribes from many places in the world are had so much wisdom come down from yes. somewhere <laughs> and you see the connection because i love like ancient civilizations and and learning about the connection also with the whole universe and other planets and star systems and how amazing that is and the this grid of of different types of structures and and uh, i think that it's uh, i've i haven't i have one place that i've been to in the US since I, I studied there for a year in California. Uh, and I really loved when I came inlands and towards 
mm-hmm. uh, Arizona and, mm-hmm. and Grand Canyon and these places, then I felt like really this beautiful healing and, and, and also this connection with, with spirit and everything and also the Caribbean. So there's so much that's, that's so powerful and beautiful there. And then there's this uh, opposite and this extreme on the other side, which we all are experiencing from <laughs> that part of the world. So it's really, and what I, I wanted to share with you also something that I just recently learned more as I'm studying a little bit about uh, this, the very ancient civilizations like uh, Lemuria or Mu and, and Atlantis and all of these. And it was actually two years ago, uh, we decided to go to Japan because my Reiki master who's initiated me into this uh, Reiki healing, she's in, in Japan. And we ended up going from there to New Zealand and Australia, which, mm-hmm. which for me was like Australia. When I came to Australia, I got very sick. So there was something like purging, like really purging in, in Australia. So something is very strong there. And then I came to New Zealand and I felt the healing. And then we said, let's, <laughs> when we're on this part of the world, because I was also working back then in the airlines uh, it, it was before everything that i'm doing now and we said we have to go to hawaii yeah. and, and now i understood the connection with like these these connections between you know the indigenous also tribes there there was so much healing when i reached hawaii i i got new like energy and just yeah. connecting with these it's so uh, feminine it's like the 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 earth's it, I can't even explain it it's so beautiful so there's so much healing and what you're doing also when you're traveling I'm thinking again about these beautiful energy lines and grids and you know to south of France as well these ley lines that go so we're like on an energetic level like healing and reconstructing and connecting back and remembering and i want to say here's here's the challenging part it is in the remembering why don't we remember why don't we know right now because there are even though it's our heritage indigenousity there are these blocks and many of them are psychological and some, and then all the political sorts of and social forces we've already discussed. But the key to remembering is being willing to face shadow. Mm. And when I was talking about reclaiming my French side, I would be remiss if I didn't mention to you that I had to face French colonial, I had to face it in a really visceral way. There's one chapter where in the book where I talk about this and uh, what the French did in Africa and other parts of the world, the colonial French is just atrocious, atrocious. And part of my genealogy is connected with that. So I was in West, the Western part of Africa and I was, with, I was at an indigenous healers gathering of Voodoo and practitioners 
and actually with a Hawaiian elder. And we were treated as honorary guests, but then we had some time. So we took a boat trip out to Gori Island, which was an island where uh, when the slaves are going to be sent to the new world, they were held there. So we're coming in this boat, this beat up old boat towards this beautiful island of like painted adobe houses, different colored shutters and uh, bougainvillea and, and, and white sand beach on the island. And then, but as we got closer, this feeling of dread came over me. And I was just recovering from um, cancer treatment. I had breast cancer and had gone through radiation. And I was really, really ill. I was really thin, really fragile. But this conference was organized by people, dear friends of mine, African-American physicians. And they convinced me if I went, they would keep an eye on me. So that's why I made the journey all the way from Hawaii where I live to um, Senegal. So, uh, and then from Senegal, we went to Benin. So now we're on in Benin and it's over a hundred degrees and you could just see heat waves shimmering on the sand and so forth. And we're coming up to this uh, island, excuse me, I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> correct the map. We're back in Dakar. First, it was first it was Benin, then it was uh, Dakar, Senegal, and Gori Island is off off the coast of Senegal. So off we go as we approach this this island. This dread and sick feeling is coming over me, and then we come close to this big official building with wall with a wall around it, and it, and it's a couple of stories, and um, it turns out that this was the house of the slaves where people were going to be sent out or chained. And there was one room for, for women, one for children, one for men. And then there's like a hole in the ground where if, if they tried to resist, they get thrown into this hole, you know, and locked there. And they had women that chained, so they kept the women so close to the walls, you know, just chained to walls. And then they had one room just for breeding, you know, so they could go enjoy the women. And, um, and then you climbed this, the towers. There, there was a tower so people could walk onto the ships from this tower. And as I was walking up, it just seemed like I could hear the screams of the people. And there was a, a doorway, just an open like window in this tower. And down below were rocks and sharks and everything. And the people who just absolutely were not going to be refused to be slaves. They had the choice. It was called the doorway of no return. They could jump to their death or get on the ship, right? Mm -hmm. So when I'm there, what I find out is who was doing all that? Up on the second floor was the home of the French people who were the colonizers who were creating all this horror, right? Just this pure horror. And I felt I just wanted to die. And I was already so weak and sick, but I was crowded. And when we're kind of going out of this building, I was just surrounded in a sea of African healers. And in that moment, I realized like, wow, I'm the white woman, like I'm the French person. And just then the main healer who had the power of waters, they called him uh, kind of a Nick slang, Mami Waka, but he had the beautiful, beautiful man. He looked like Gandhi, right? And he, it happened that the crowd just moved him near me. And he looked at me and he said, with this beautiful smile, even though he didn't speak English, he said this in English, 
hello, my sister. Mm -hmm. uh, I really just cried and cried and cried. I said, if he could forgive me, then surely I could find a way to forgive me. So there's no reclaiming our indigenosity. There's no reclaiming our spiritual powers if we first don't walk through the hell that we help that we participated in and help precipitate. And we need to do that, that we don't unconsciously project it today. And then when we do that and have that out of the way, the dreams start to come, the synchronicities start to come, the chance encounters start to come. The powers come back so fast, you can barely believe it. And that's what the master's and doctoral program helps do to bring people together collectively. And that enhances it even more. But we can do it. We can do it on our own. But we need to find community through that because it can be dangerous, right? Mm. So. Wow. What a story and journey. And I'm sure that you have so many more stories that you could share. And I hope that, uh, yeah, all these stories can be heard and everything that you're sharing in the book is so important for all of us to understand, read from, from all of your experiences and just the awakening. And I'm wondering how people can find you. Uh, so you have the book that is coming out and it's uh, women, women between the worlds. And mm. um, is there any way that people can connect with you through your organization and, and also help out in any way? How is, how is that right now, your work within? They, the can, they can contact me through my nonprofit, which is where I am every day. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, um, info at wizen.org. Um, here, I'll put it in the chat. Okay. Yeah, I'll add it to the to the show notes, um, so that people can find you there. And your book is available to pre-order up until wh when is the release date? Have July twenty. July twentieth. Oh, beautiful! So in the in the shifts between cancer and leo season that's beautiful so it's going to be a, a nice birthing of the book and i'm so excited for you and and this it's so it's such an important work so i'm so happy that you're sharing it in your book and that we can take part of it because it's so so beautiful and so healing everything that you're talking about so I really want to thank you for sharing today. Is there any last thing you want to share before we end the conversation? Don't give up on yourself. You, the power is not, <laughs> elders told me as a young woman, the power is not lost, you are. <laughs> and then it turned out, oh, I got unlost. And the journey is just the best journey, reconnecting with our ancestors and mother earth and i wrote this book i did this stuff because i never want young women especially to be as lost as i was i want to help i want to see you stand in your full power and glory mm. thank you so much so i'd like to close now when when i began the interview with you shireen then i called the ancestors and now they've been with us 
and just like any beloved family and friends with us, we say thank you. Yawanko, ancestors. Yawanko. May the people hearing this recording and Shireen herself be blessed, be renewed and fulfilled in the reclamation of their indigenous sacred powers and responsibilities. We love you, Mother Earth. And now the prayer is released. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. It was lovely to talk to you today. And thank you for sharing everything that you did. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this beautiful sharing by Apila. And I would love for you to check her organization out uh, and her book. So you have the links in the show notes. This is powerful and so much experience and insights that she has is really so valuable and such a blessing and gift to us all and to just learn more about the power and strength of the indigenous cultures and how much wisdom there is there and that we have to start remembering within ourselves no matter where we're from and what our ancestors we're doing we have so much within our bodies and our dna and to start tapping into that is so powerful and using that as a guidance and yeah healing so i hope that you enjoyed this week's episode and that you want to check out also our lion's gate portal activation and new moon healing that will be in a couple of weeks and we will meet on the 6th of august online me, Sandra, and everyone who wants to join uh, for a session together to prepare for this beautiful activation and download and upgrade that's coming up. So thank you so much for listening. Let's take a deep inhalation in through the nose together. And exhale out. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti